It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome aboard to this week's show. We have got a lot to cover. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. has got the latest from Rainy River. Brian Bro Brosdahl will drop by. We'll talk perch with him. And a return of the Walleye Alliance here in the Brainerd Lakes area. We'll talk to Jason Freed about that. Plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our local report. Brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Proud to offer Flow Dock Systems, the most durable in the industry. They offer new dock and lift installations so that you can get out on the water sooner. Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And uh, Jason always keeps a very close eye on Leech Lake Forest here and the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. We're also going to talk about the uh, Walleye Alliance that's coming back here to the Brainerd Lakes area and the Walleye Alliance Banquet which is coming up here next month. So we've got a lot to talk about uh, with Jason this week. I suppose we'll talk uh, leech first, though, Jason. What are you hearing up there? Because when we talked last week, uh, people were having some luck. They can get out and move around a little bit out there. Yeah, it's uh, leech is pretty much snow-free, um, some slush and stuff on top. Uh, and the best mission has been for perch right now. Um, hearing a lot, of, a lot of good reports of uh, the Northwest show there last week and um, talked to some people, a couple of the resort orders, and, um, they're having a lot of luck right now, and the perch are moving up shallow. The best fishing's in about six to eight feet of water right now, and it's been really good fishing. I've heard really good reports of, you know, perch between 10 and 13 inches being caught, and guys catching smaller ones and throwing those back, and uh, small jigging spoons um, with either uh, minnow head or um, tipped with or packed full of uh, gyro larva has worked well, and then also uh, just using like a tungsten jig and a plastic um, you know, the plastic is kind of a good thing to use if you're, you know, when you are fishing, especially because, you know, perch, you typically, they come in packs, and uh, it's quicker to get it down there than having to mess around with, uh, you know, live bait. So uh, when you're fishing, you, even with a spoon, using uh, using the plastic can be kind of a good thing. So, but yeah, no, the perch fishing has been really good, uh, which has been kind of a, a pleasant thing to hear because it's been kind of up and down the last few years. But, um, you know, so if you're fishing on the, on the lake, uh, I'd focus on areas, you know, shallow wheat flats, um, you know, areas around Sandpoint, uh, up in, uh, you know, Cabacona Bay, Agency Bay, um, you know, down the, on the south end of the main lake. I know down around Miller's Bay has been pretty good. So, uh, and then typically, you know, some of the areas around Goose Island are going to be well-known areas as well for perch. But um, definitely get up there and, uh, and drill a bunch of holes, bring some guys. The shorelines are still holding up really well, uh, sounds like. So, you know, we'll see here with the next, you know, week here of weather. But uh, I think there's still a good seven to ten days probably here where guys are going to be able to access and get out pretty well. Right here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, Jason, I took a drive up 371 on Thursday, I believe it was, and uh, saw a, a scattering of people out on Round Lake, North Long, Gull. Uh, is that kind of the story, the people that can get out, they're having some success as well? Yeah, yeah, you know, I've been hearing a few things around the area, but yeah, it's more of a scattering. I think a lot of people are kind of getting the spring fever and the spring itch, and uh, you know, your diehards or your ice fishermen who really, really love to do it. 
are uh, still getting out there. And, uh, you know, with the way things are now and now with the snow off the ice in many areas, uh, we've talked about this before, The life things are going to kind of start to come to life underneath the ice and, and those fish are going to start to move up onto those shallow weed flats and you're going to catch uh, your, you know, your really nice crappies and your bluegills uh, are all going to be mixed in within those areas. And so, you know, as I said last week, you know, try to find those weed flats that are, you know, adjacent to your deep water basins uh, where those fish might have been hanging out. Uh, you know, the fish aren't going to, you know, the fish aren't going to travel miles, you know, and so you just got to find the structure that's right next door to where they were hanging out, you know, a few weeks ago when they were in the deeper water and you should have success. And you had mentioned you were down at the Northwest Sports Show last week, and I'm sure you got to talk to a lot of anglers. Were there some that were kind of kicking themselves that they put their ice fishing gear maybe away a little early and now they're just kind of getting ready for open water? Yeah, I think some people, I think everybody was kind of, it was kind of doom and gloom there because we had so much snow and I think everybody just kind of had the, was kind of thick of the winter and, and, uh, did more thinking, let's just start thinking about spring. So I, I think everybody's kind of in transition. You know, you got those people who are your diehard anglers who, um, you're going to always get out on the ice and do their thing and regardless, they're going to go till the ice is no longer safe. And then you're going to get those anglers who, you know, maybe start putting the ice gear away and start focused on fishing in the rivers, which right now is kind of a, an up and down thing because of the, the you know the flooding that's going to kind of take place here and, and that is taking place and then you got your anglers who are just geared up and ready to go for open water and who are kind of just out there staring at the lakes every day wondering when the ice is going to go so uh it's kind of it's kind of an interesting time of year it's kind of a transitional time of year but you know if if uh if you like to not have to battle the elements and trudge around in snow and and uh you know not, not even have to fish in a fish house for that matter this is the time of year to be out on the ice. Yeah, you mentioned rivers, too. We're going to talk to Matt Brewer a little bit later on in the show about rainy. He's got the latest up there. I know you were thinking about planting uh, maybe the Missouri, uh, maybe the Mississippi. Uh, is that still in play for you? Uh, maybe the Missouri. Uh, it does sound like the Mississippi is, uh, you know, it sounds like in our area, uh, the lake was, the river was going to crest here at the beginning of this next week. Um, you know, and then typically it's about, a, from what I've heard and gathered, it's about a six to eight to nine day travel from up our way down to the, you know, pool four Red Wing area. So, you know, as it crests here and as it works its way south, you know, looking over the next couple of weeks, it's just going to continue to probably uh, crest and be at, you know, where it's at its highest point. So I would say the Mississippi, at least for at least the next two, three weeks, is going to kind of not be the most ideal fishing. So uh, I know some guys are out fishing on the Missouri. It's something I'm still kicking around. And uh, maybe here as we get closer to Easter, um, things that might settle down. So I, I am definitely planning on doing that and getting out. Uh, I've even thought about uh, if uh, Lake Superior starts to open up here, a couple of us have even thought about going over to Lake Superior and, and putting the boats in and, and doing that too. So I just got to sit down and make the plan here. But, you know, like the thing about spring fishing is you can't – it's hard to plan. You got to – because things can just change, you know, in a matter of, you know, a day or two. So uh, I think we're just going to kind of see how things go here, but I'm definitely looking to get on open water. Actually, pick up my Lund uh, up at Bemidji here this next week. So it's good to have options, no doubt about that. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk to you about, uh, Jason, is uh, the Walleye Alliance. For those that aren't familiar, uh, making a comeback here in the Brainerd Lakes area, and you guys have also got a banquet coming up here next month. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, the Walleye Alliance is, you know, I, I'm not familiar. I didn't grow up in the area, so I wasn't around when it was real prevalent. But I know at one point it was a, it was a pretty big deal in our area, and a lot of the local fishermen and the guides and the pros were all really part of it. And then, and then it kind of went away. And, and uh, Nate Blazing, uh, who works with S&W Guide Service, and uh, a few others, Doug Erickson, Matt Castle, name a couple. And 
um, has kind of spearheaded the effort to get it back up and running, and, and it's a great cause. Um, I've jumped on the board and, and I'm been kind of helping helping those guys in different ways now as well. And you know, I it just I just want you know, it's really good just to inform people about it because it's a the whole sole purpose of the Walleye Alliance is to just to look out for our, our resources within the area. And you know, a lot of times, you know, people get upset. No, there's no walleyes, and or the walleye fish is not any good, and you know, this and that. And, and so, the Walleye Alliance has a few objectives. And number one is to really look out for our fisheries. Um, and, and really use the efforts of our group to work with the DNR on, you know, local walleye stocking efforts, um, you know, work with AIS efforts, you know, educating things, people such, um, you know, lake cleanups, um, working with, um, you know, local youth, uh, kids fishing clinics, um, you know, just doing all kinds of things. And, you know, like the DNR is a big one. We have a very close relationship with the DNR. We actually have a couple individuals on um, the actual board that are with the DNR who attend the meetings, and so it's just good. I mean, working really closely with them to to find ways, um, especially in regards to the stocking, um, to to have those things. I, mean, I know Nate's been busy working and going to roundtables with the DNR as well. And so, I mean, it, it's going to be a really, really proactive group, and we've got some young blood in there and um, guys who are, you know, anxious to really look out for the area and, and you know, within everything that goes with it. And so um, I, I think the efforts are there. I, I think we're, we're kind of starting small in terms of the startup and not trying to get too big right away and, um, and really trying to put, you know, trying to get the membership drive going. And we were able to, you know, get the members going last fall. And, you know, and, and for, you know, for 40 bucks, you can, you can become a member and you know that your money is going towards the local fisheries. It's not going to go to some other place. It's going to go towards the local fisheries. Uh, in events that we can do in the area to help promote those. And, you know, so in, in one of our big events we have going is on Wednesday, April 24th, we'll have our spring banquet uh, at the American Legion there in Brainerd. Uh, we have Al Linder coming to speak, uh, which, you know, he draws a crowd uh, without a doubt. And um, we're looking forward to listening to him and him talk about the local area and how to, you know, what his favorite things to do in the spring to catch walleyes. And uh, we're going to have raffle prizes. We're going to have a great meal. Um, we're gonna, you know, looking to sell. We got 200 tickets. Uh, we're, we're already getting some sold, which is great. Uh, you can buy them at S and W, Sportland. Um, I think the Power Lodge maybe um, as well. I can't c- c- confirm that 100. percent But it's on our website. The Wally Alliance uh, eventually will have that going here. It's on our Facebook. There's an actual Facebook page, uh, Wally Alliance Facebook page, as well as the Wally Alliance Facebook um, event page for the for the banquet. So. Um, you know, super 40 bucks for a banquet ticket. You can find one of us guys. You can give me a call. Um, Nate, uh, Doug Erickson, Matt Castle, uh, just to name a few. Uh, we'll, we'll be out and about uh, trying to get some of these tickets sold. And, and uh, more importantly, like I said, it's more so about getting things up and running here and really looking out for our local lakes as an organization. And, um, you know, then to throw along, we'll have our fall uh, walleye classic tournament on Pelican, which is something that's kind of been a long-standing tradition as well. So, you know, we're excited. You know, it's something that I know Nate has been uh, kicking around for the last couple of years, and I think finally with some more support and some more people in his corner, I think he really decided, decided it was time to get this thing up and running. And so, you know, for a simple investment, I think it's a great cause. And, uh, you know, if you're willing to help out and, and do some different things, and, you know, as we all know, we, we love our fisheries and we love to – to use our fisheries and our in our bodies of water and 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 for sometimes you got to turn around and invest back into it and and uh, especially if we want to have continue to have great fisheries for future generations so we're excited um, you know like I said we're kind of hitting the ground running here and uh, we're excited about the the banquet there on Wednesday April 24th so reach out to us if you're interested but um, I I think there's going to be really big things 
uh, to be in store here for the Walleye Alliance as we move forward. Yeah, I think it's a great thing and uh, exciting to see how things uh, progress for you guys with that. Uh, it's Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com as well as all over uh, social media. Jason, I appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you soon, buddy, okay? I appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. All right, when we come back, we'll head up north, bring in Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. He's got the latest on Rainy River. I have a feeling that's going to be pretty busy up there this weekend. We'll talk to him when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3 as we head up north for the Up North Report and bring in the one, the only Matt Brewer up there. And uh, we're going to talk to Matt about, obviously, Rainy River. He had some pretty good insight on that last week uh i I guess we'll start there matt anything new to report there i I have a feeling if we didn't see a ton of boats up there this past weekend this coming weekend may be a different story yeah this weekend is going to be a zoo um the river has opened a long ways it's making really really speedy progress and uh and i think things are actually looking pretty good i mean we we had that almost 50 degree windy day and that really dropped a lot of snow and, and caused a lot of water running and stuff like that. But uh, but now it's cooled off, and it's supposed to kind of slowly progress into into spring. I mean, things are things are actually looking pretty good. I mean, as long as we don't get like a a couple sixty degree days where everything melts all at once and everything breaks open, um, things are looking pretty decent. And I'm hoping they the weather kind of stays. Uh, as is because I'm headed up there like in three weeks and uh, and I just hope it doesn't really, really muddy up and get speedy by then because uh, the calmer the water, the easier the sturgeon fishing is. So. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things I, you brought up last week I thought was interesting, Matt, is you said uh, being it's a little earlier than normal for rainy, um, that people might be getting into some more of the native fish than rather the spawn. Um, do you think that's going to be the case for those that are going up this weekend? Yeah, I mean there there might be some early migration fish, um, and I don't know how how actually how early it is because I just had a memory on Facebook today, um, and it was a picture of uh, uh, me with a sturgeon and then uh, me and Furch with with some walleyes. So um, I've definitely been up this early, and I, I am pretty sure I've been up much earlier than this sliding boats across when uh, when we used to die hard it, but. Um, you know, so I, so I think actually getting on the river itself is, is about on par and, uh, but the, the big migration of, of those, those bigger fish is, is still yet to come. So, um, I, I think a lot of native fish are going to be caught this weekend with, uh, a few of those, of those fish pushing up to spawn and, and pre-spawn. Um, but I would say another week or so, maybe, week and a half and you're really going to see a good push of a lot of big fish where the smaller ones are going to be actually hard to come by so um if things keep going like i said it's, it's shaping up and looking pretty darn good so yeah so we'll see on on rainy river but uh, people at the itch to get out on open water that'd be the the place to go and like matt said it's going to be pretty busy up there this weekend uh one of the things we talked about on the show earlier matt uh it's almost like we've we've seen uh a rebirth of ice fishing around here because we basically stopped fishing for almost a month because we had all the snow. A lot of people were putting their gear away and everything, but now 
not that hard to get around if you've got like a snowmobile or something like that, uh, or you just want to walk. So are you, you think maybe people are still wanting to get out there, and, and are you seeing people get out up by you? Yes. I mean, some of my guys have been out. They've been out a lot. Um, me, myself, I hate to admit it, I'm I'm really over it. <laughs> like, um, it was just such a hard winter, and and I think that's how a lot of people were, but but like you said, there's been a rebirth. I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I, I can travel again. It's not that bad. And uh, and they're really jacked up and, and ready to go. And I still want to get out a few more times, and I plan to this coming week. Um, I'd like to get out at least one or two more times. I'd like to put the kids on some burbot. Um, so I want I want to be able to get out. So don't get me wrong. It's not dead in me. But, uh, um, but everybody I've talked to is, is having pretty good success, and travel isn't nearly as bad um there are still some slush pockets and wet spots but when we get cooled off at night and then warm during the day um it causes a lot of that stuff to kind of settle and and uh i'm finally starting to hear some reports of people taking four-wheelers out again because uh, almost all the snow is has kind of dissipated and a lot of those slush pockets have either frozen over or settled in so um so that's good but the only problem and the thing people need to keep in the back of their minds is that um that water that was on top, um, you know, it, it, had, it had to go somewhere and it didn't all go back straight into the lake. So um, we might get that top-down effect where, you know, the ice saturated that, that water from the top and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go a lot quicker and, and uh, it's a recipe for, uh, for some early ice break and, and, uh, and people may be going through. So just got to be very careful. There's still a lot of ice, though, and... Uh, I think I think we're a little little preemptive on talking about about that, but uh, it's never it's never something that we we should discount and always keep it in the back of our mind. So, yeah, the thing we're running into here, Matt, we've got plenty of ice, but um, our landings are starting to get a little sketchy. Is that a issue up by you, or not quite yet? Yeah, I mean, you've got that sand, and and uh, you've got gravel and concrete and everything right there at the accesses, and. Uh, you team that up with people driving with salt or sand on their vehicles and the accesses go really quickly. And even shorelines that haven't seen truck travel, um, you know, you get a lot of heat that's uh, being absorbed by the earth and, and it's really going to cause meltdown quick on those, on those shoreline edges. So it's happening uh, all over the place. And, but if you get on the main sheet ice right now, uh, like we talked about, there's, there's plenty of it out there. So, are we still kind of in that prime time for pout, Matt, or is that uh, come and gone? Yeah, I mean, some lakes they're you know they're still possibly spawning. Some lakes they're they're post spawn. Most most lakes they're going to be post spawn, and uh, and that that usually equates to a daytime bite. So you can you can get on pout during the day. It's that kind of that time of year where you know the, during the spawn, tail end of spawn, and post spawn, they're they're really. Uh, they're really starting to, to put the feed bags back on, uh, especially post spawn. So they'll they'll bite readily during the day. So there's a there's a good chance of getting out and getting some really good numbers, and and actually being able to do it during daylight is is a nice bonus. That's for sure. And I mean, you've got and for some reason we've got perch on the mind. At least I do. Uh, and you guys have got some great perch fishing up there. You got leech. You got Winnie. I caught my biggest perch with you uh, ever on Lake Bemidji. So, I mean, there's some good places up there to go. 
Some of the smaller lakes up there matter. Are they producing? Maybe people want to chase perch, or maybe want to chase crappies or bluegills. Uh, would that be a way to go too? Yeah, the smaller lakes, um, the the panfish are going pretty darn good. Um, they're in that kind of late ice transition where they're starting to move a lot shallower, and uh, some of the shallow weed flats. <laughs> and I say shallow weed flat with kind of a little bit of tongue in cheek because I'm pretty sure the amount of snow that we had this year. Uh, caused every weed in every lake to die. Um, <laughs> I just uh, there was no sun penetration at all with the amount of snow we had. So, um, but those places where weeds do grow in the springtime, um, you know those those areas are going to hold some fish. Um, so shallower water right now is is a really good bet. And uh, if you don't find them there, you're going to find them staging on the edge. So um, that that can be pretty good. Perch fishing is really good. I've heard. Uh, a lot of good reports, and actually, uh, we're going to be posting a picture here. Uh, and it may have already posted. I had it scheduled, and uh, Justin was out perch fishing with his dad, and they got some really, really big tanks. So, um, so it's a good time of year for that too. One last thing, Matt, before I let you go, uh, we're going to be talking turkeys here pretty soon on the show. Are you seeing anything? Are they starting to come out of the woods yet? Are you pretty fired up for that? I am definitely fired up for it. And when you said we had to talk about one more thing, I was hoping you were going to talk about turkeys. Um, <laughs> That's why you and I have been doing this a long time. We're actually starting to read each other's minds now. Yeah, for sure. No, I, uh, I've been seeing turkeys, uh, around my property, um, and driving around out, out in the country a little bit. Um, I saw a flock of about 30, um, about 10 miles from my house the other day. And, um, I had a couple in the back pasture and they're already starting to strut, and I'm already starting to hear gobbles. And um, I saw a video from central Minnesota uh, of a tom breeding a hen. Um, so the timing is going to be pretty darn good. Um, you want your season to open, basically. Um, it, it's a common misconception. You Everybody thinks you want um, mating and the season to coincide, but you actually want the season to open after mating is complete because then the toms have already done their business and we're going to have turkeys next year. And, uh, and then they kind of lose their hands and they're a little easier to call in. So that's kind of the goal of having seasons when we do, but, um, but I think it's going to line up pretty good and plenty of turkeys around. And I'm actually, uh, two weeks away from my trip to the black Hills for my Merriam's and hopefully we can get that done and I continue, continue the quest for a single season slam. So that's, uh, my my spring is really busy. I'm foregoing a lot of spring fishing and uh, foregoing uh, snow goose hunting this year. I'm gonna just chase turkeys again this this spring. So, where you go? Got to have you got to have something to do in the spring, right, Matt? Oh yeah, not <laughs> enough. <laughs> right there you go. Won't be long now. That's Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. Check him out, NorthCountryGuides.com. As he mentioned, he's probably got some. Uh, some Percha pictures up probably, too, on the North Country Guide Service Facebook page. You follow them all over so- social media. And uh, keep updated on what's going on up in the northern part of the state. Matt, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, buddy, okay? Sounds good. All right, when we come back, we'll talk a little perch fishing with Brian at Bro- Brosdahl when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we bring back one of our uh, contributors here to the show and a very good friend of Brainerd Outdoors, and that is the one, the only, Brian Bro Brosdahl joins us. And we're going to talk a lot of perch, uh, some crappies, some bluegills with Bro. 
because uh, we're kind of heading into that prime time of the year. We, we were able to knock some snow down, bro, with some of this milder weather, and now we can get out and move around a little bit. That's what we like to do this time of year, punch a lot of holes, and uh, I think we're, we're hitting into that prime time. Yeah, I, you know, one thing I've noticed is uh, in, the, in, in, in the last two weeks, we've gone from not being able to get around in any way possible to being able to get around all over the place, which is pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, we had slush pockets in spots that were, they were over people's boots. They are over 20 inches. And, and now uh, the, those slush pockets are a matter of just inches underneath little uh, crust of ice. But a person is going to want to make sure that they got cleats on because it's going to be really slippery, and especially in the afternoons when you're on glare ice and then, and then you get water on top. That's really greasy there. Yeah, that's for sure. That is something to keep in mind. You don't want to be slipping and falling out there and breaking any bones. Uh, and you mentioned those slush pockets. We were talking off air. You think they're going to be gone here in the next week or so? Oh, yeah. It, it's going to melt right through all the way, and uh, and uh, there won't be anything after. You know, we're going to be hitting the 50s, and uh, you know, the, the prediction is supposed to be a lot of nights where it gets below freezing in my area. You know, even uh, 26, 28 degrees is enough to crisp it up. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of ice, uh, 28 inches, and even more in somebody's water. Um, but I would recommend using uh, four wheelers. Uh, I like using a snowmobile uh, because it skips over stuff. It doesn't put pressure in areas. It actually just rides over stuff, and the weight distribution is a little better. A snowmobile uh, with a studded track is pretty hard to beat, but you want to have liquid cool. If, if you got that because and then scratchers to scratch uh, the ice and kick up some uh, uh, snow into your tracks but getting around uh, shouldn't be too bad I think I think we're gonna um, uh, have ice you know winter comes back I mean we're not it's not summer now you know and uh, we're gonna get some uh, reset buttons here but uh, I'm sure we'll have snow and all this stuff but for now we're gonna enjoy this it made accessibility great perch fishing is fantastic and all the different lakes that have perch uh you know leech cast winnie um all the different spots have big jumbo perch and the bite's been good uh i've been fishing for them and i've talked to people that have and nice fish and they've been hardly touched all winter so it's it's just an awesome year uh bluegills are biting but if you're going to go check out that little lake in the woods this is not the time to do it because there's a good chance if it was shallow, it might be dead. We lost a lot of lakes back in the woods with that heavy snow. They suffocated. But uh, the, the lakes that do have bluegills, they're biting. Every lake that I know that has bluegills, they're, they're, every, every panfish is on fire. The crappies are biting. And some bodies of water, uh, the fish have gone real shallow already. And others, they're still holding in that basin, which is usually a forage thing. If, if there's lots of bloodworms, and zooplankton and areas, they're going to hang on that. They're not just going to leave it to go up into a, 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 a shallows that has a, a, a stark food source. So definitely, uh, if you ain't seeing them in the shallows, I always start shallow this time of year and then work my way out. If you ain't seeing them in the shallows, uh, they're, they're going to be somewhere between the shallows and where the wintering spots were, but they're not going to be the first ice spot. They kind of They kind of migrate, and I see that in a lot of bodies of water especially large panfish. Large panfish can be a little bit of a mystery, 
but they 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 don't need the deep wintering holes. They're on the flats, kind of grazing their way through, um, and they're 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 not far from where they're going to come up in the spring. So if you know their spring areas, check out the flats, and if they're not there, there's there's not food for them. There's not a good insect mass. Wanted to backtrack on something you mentioned, bro, about lakes back in the woods, and you said that they might be suffocated out and all that. For those that maybe are, aren't familiar with, with what you're talking about there, could you expand on that a little bit? Because this is always what we say, and we always tell people, get a map out and go check out some of those lakes that are off the beaten path. You're saying maybe not oh, the yeah. best thing to do. Well, yeah, not until we know or, or check with the local bait shops or DNR. Uh, you might be saving yourself a waste of time. Uh, I have some nice little lakes I like to fish, but... Uh, uh, talking uh, through the vine that just drilling a hole in them, you can smell that there's that there's something's rotten. Uh, what happens is the light penetration is is really low. The weeds die off in lakes with a lot of weeds that are shallow. The weeds consume more oxygen and actually put toxins in the water. And without wave action in uh, really deep snow, there's no germination. There's no there's no no oxygen at all. Uh, the fish will will die and and there are lakes that are always winter killing, and those lakes usually have nice panfish. But uh, this is one of those years I check before you go because it was it was a real doozy. And somebody's water that normally winter kill didn't, you know, because they had a lot of weed growth that held on. So every lake's different on a base by basis. You know, if you go even around Walker and um, uh, some lakes around Pennington and Bemidji, uh, even. Uh, Bowstring had suffered a little bit of uh, oxygen deprivation. Uh, anglers were seeing fish coming up to the holes, uh, not on the big part of the water, but on the bays. And so, uh, if that lake was suffering, I don't, I don't think it had a complete winter kill, but it was getting low in oxygen. And well, now we've hit the reset button. Uh, the water's flushed in, the rivers are flowing in, and that helps. It's not like wave action, but it really helps. Yeah, so that's a pretty interesting stuff there. You mentioned perch, bro. What do you like to do presentation-wise this time of year for perch? Uh, because uh, there's a variety of different things out there that people can do, but some work and some don't. Well, you know, I, I always like to start with spoons and to find out if the perch are targeting uh, young of the year perch are actually cannibals or, or bait fish, you know, shiner minnows or darters, whatever. If the perch are chasing minnows, uh, spoons work really well, uh, small rattle baits, like a buckshot rattle spoon or, or a, a flutter, buckshot flutter spoon is really good with a minnow head. Uh, and of course, you know, a live minnow on a colored hook or a, a small, uh, throw bug type of bait would work really good tail hooked to let it swim. Uh, but I, I like to bring some smaller lures, mud bugs, gill getters, and wax worms. There's times when, when the perch ain't chasing the bait, uh, chasing uh, minnows, and they're on the insect bite, uh, then, you know, switch over to a gill getter mud bug with a waxy or skeleton minnow, which is a really cool shape. It looks like a bloodworm, real fragile piece of plastic that imitates bloodworms. And uh, But try stuff like that, small, subtle, and in lakes that are clear, clear bodies of water, have had good luck with colors like tiger beetle, uh, blue and glow, um, your greens, and of course, uh, kind of a crayfish color orange, orange and brown, uh, you know, those old, uh, forage spoons and, uh, forage jigs 
work really well. Uh, one thing I found that is exceptional is the glow shot spoon, a smaller glow shot spoon in, in an orange with that little light stick that you crack and you put in there. Uh, it really is a magnet for perch more than any other fish. Perch need light to see. They don't have the real good eyes like walleyes, crappies, and bluegills. So they still they need more light. And that little uh, light stick in there is great. for Even in the middle of the day, underneath the ice, it's a different world. And that little bit of a glow that light stick kicks off, besides just a paint glow, I, I, it works really well. Uh, but uh, small small baits. And if you want tungsten, try tungsten. It's pretty hard to eat, uh, beat a gold muska with some maggots or waxies uh, for perch that are finicky or bug biters. Uh but, yeah, this is the time to go because as the snow recedes, the ice is getting a little less in depth, uh, the perch can see better, and uh, they become way more active. One of the things, too, I thought you brought up when we talked, I want to say about this time last year, we always want to get out there and punch 50 holes. Um, you're saying sometimes that maybe that's not the best thing to do, that sometimes less can be more. Less is more, uh, you know, unless, you, unless you're trying to get a workout or something. You know, with, with today's technology and contour lines, it's pretty easy to uh, uh, just drill a sporadic uh, six to a dozen holes, which is really easy with today's augers. I got a Nils Master, and it goes through. You don't have to clear it out like you do with other augers. You just drill straight through, and uh, it's fast. Uh, but you don't need to have a drill-a-thon. I, there's nothing worse than having someone, uh, you know, test out their auger and drill 100 holes next to you. You want to let the fish do what they do. Let them swim through, catch them. If you're not getting them, then drill another little barrage of holes. You don't need to swiss the whole area. Uh, or space out your holes. You know, if I drill 40 holes, they might span over a mile of 40 holes. And I've watched someone drill 40 holes in just 100 feet. It doesn't make sense. Uh, you fine-tune the holes as you, you, you catch the edge of a school. And when a fish gives away the school, when you catch a fish, it just gave its school away. Then you fine-tune it and you drill that area out because there's something that's holding up to that area. And so, uh, and then, of course, the nice thing about this time of year, if you are if you fish a spot and you get a couple days off, the next day you've and your holes are still open. You can just kick them with your heel, which is uh, really neat. And, the, and sometimes you don't have to kick them. They'll be, if it doesn't freeze at night, you can just walk up and drop your, your bait down, and uh, you'd be surprised uh, without having made any noise at all how, how much better it is. And uh, big perch are super aggressive, and uh, usually the, the first ones caught in an area. Uh, but, you know, they, this time of year they'll reload. So a good area that has cara, uh, which is a skeletal fragment of grass on the bottom, a good area that, that has that kind of vegetation, well, whole perch, they're coming in, they're looking for crayfish, they're looking for darters, uh, anything that they can eat, younger than your perch. Uh, and it, it, it lays on the bottom like uh, like pillows, and like a little sheet, a little blanket. It doesn't have roots, so it just kind of moves around with the wind sometimes or when anglers catch it. Uh, this is a great spot to look for because a lot of our cabbage, milfoil, coontail is down. But if you find some cabbage, it'll be good. Another vegetation that's good on lakes when they really get shallow here in the upcoming weeks is wild rice. Uh, it's a good. Uh, it, it's it's dead, but it doesn't give off any toxins. 
It's uh, a great structure for perch. And then rush beds. Uh, of course, uh, that's no secret. People are drilling the rush beds out, but uh, sometimes the rice is left alone. And, and rice typically grows in shallower water, two to three feet. But when you get uh, low year and then the water rises like we had last year, some of the rice is in four, four and a half feet. And that's the best kept secret on the lake right now. Uh, and I will be drilling it. And it's, it's, it's a great, great spot to fish. And it often gets overlooked. And then close to shore rock piles, uh, if there's, if there's uh, any kind of structure, any edge that'll hold them, the perch will be in there. And uh, on somebody's water, you might get a mixed bag of species. So there you go. Some really, really good stuff from Brian Brosdahl, Bro Brosdahl. Uh, and, you know, if you're heading out, as we said, Jason Perch especially, but uh, crappies, bluegills. I know you've been really busy, bro, hitting the show circuit. It's kind of show season right now. Uh, going forward, yeah. you got a few more of those to hit too? Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, I'm heading out to Devil's Lake uh, to do a, a photo shoot for Northland Tackle, and uh, it's good to get photos uh, with everybody getting together. Uh, they, they're busy, and they have windows where they can get away, and it's fun to go fish with uh, my sponsors and people from the office. Uh, and then uh, Superior Show, I'll be at the uh, Superior Show over uh, Rice County Sport and Fish, and that's a fun one. It's like a, a, a big show in a small town and just fun, good, good to, good to uh, uh, talk to people there and get, get the open water spirit going. But after that, I'm hitting the ice, and... Uh, but I'm going to do it safely, safely. Bring your spikes. Bring some type of flotation. You know, it's, it's that knock on wood thing. If you bring it, nothing will happen. But if you don't have, have it, you can't come back from it. You know, so always bring safety gear this time of year. And uh, it, it kind of keeps the wolf off your back, you know. So I always make sure that I got, I have a, a, a flotation device attached to my sled. I could just pull a ripcord. Uh, and then even bring a life jacket, but not one that inflates might be uncomfortable, but who cares? You're not in a fashion show. Um, and then have your spikes where you can get at them, because if they're tucked away, you don't want to be in the water any longer than you have to if you do go through. But more often than that, just be a good judge of the ice and drill. And uh, most of the people, when they do go through, go through by shore anyway. But just be safe. Let's not have any statistics out there that, uh, you know, ice fishing doesn't need a, uh, anything like that. Couldn't agree more. If people want more info, bro, on you and want to follow along with what you're up to, how can they do that? Yeah, go up to uh, check me out at brosguideservice.com or go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, Brian Brosdahl, and uh, follow along with the adventures. And if you want to go fishing for walleye this summer, I got a new ranger coming. Come on out. There you go. Brian Bro Brosdahl, a good friend of Brainerd Outdoors. Bro, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, good luck at the shows coming up, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks for having me. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And once again, time for our Hungry Hunter segment here on the show. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us once again. Very interesting recipe this week, Joel. Uh, We go the pheasant route with cola-glazed pheasant, as in Coca-Cola. That's right. We're gonna, and you want to go Pepsi Cola? You can do Pepsi Cola, but we're <laughs> RC, any, <laughs> RC any kind of cola you can think of. So we're gonna start off. We're gonna make our sauce. So we'll get some Coca Cola. You know, about one and a half cups. So it should be you know right around a can of cola. Brown sugar, tomato paste. Throw in some garlic. Got to have a little bit of sriracha in there. 
uh, some smoky paprika, and some liquid smoke. So we're going to pour all that into a saucepan, and we'll get that up to a boil, let that cook for 5 to 10 minutes. You know, As you cook it, it's going to reduce down a little bit. That sugar is going to caramelize in there. It's going to start to thicken up on its own. So cook that you know, probably 5 to 10 minutes just so it starts to thicken up and come together a little bit, and we'll set that aside. We'll take our pheasant breasts, we'll get them all nice and cleaned up, and we're going to get our grill nice and hot, You know, about a medium-high heat. Throw a little salt and pepper on your pheasant breast, take them out to the grill, throw them on skin side down, and let those cook for you know two to three minutes per side, depending on how thick they are. After we flip them over, then we're going to glaze them with the with our cola. Let that cola cook on there a little bit. You know, if you got to flip it over, glaze the other side. You know, we really want to get all that glaze on there. We want to let it set in, get it nice and nice and crispy on there. And we can pull them off, and you can serve this with you know some kind of side of rice or you, know, you got some veggies going on. Can't do anything with this. I would imagine too. We got we're about a month out here for spring turkey. Somebody with turkey breasts, you could do something like this. Yeah, with any it. any kind of game bird is this is going to work great for. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Well, if you want to give it a try, head to our website, uh, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab. You got this recipe and a ton of other ones that Joel shared with us. Uh, cola glazed pheasant. Our Hungry Hunter recipe for this week. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. Don't forget, you can stream the live show if you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. You can also find the show on demand there. And, of course, we're all over the podcast network, whether it be iTunes, Podcast One, wherever you download podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors, download, subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.